This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix presented by FanDuel. It might be cold outside, but the sports calendar is heating up and there's no better place to get in the action than with FanDuel. The app is is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay, and try out the same-game parlay plus. And FanDuel is now live in Maryland near where Javante Davis is going to fight in just a few weeks. So use the promo code BOXING and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Promo code BOXING. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. Joining me now on the podcast, he is the former junior middleweight champion. The contender champion of season one, where the finals were seen by over 12 million people. He is the star of the DAZN broadcasting team. He is Sergio Mora. Wow. You happy? Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I deserve that. And you know what? Uh, I might not just... I was going to read a statement. You're going to read a statement? <laughs> I might recant the statement now because of that intro. It's a good intro. Damn good intro. About time you recognize real, but I'm still going to give my statement. You know, you are so sensitive. This will be my final appearance on the Chris Manic Podcast. This is the last time I grace you and your listeners with my informative insights and boxing knowledge. For you, Chris Mannix, don't pay enough money, and yet you take all the credit and ratings. This will be my last appearance. I am not appreciated or properly compensated. Enjoy, everyone. For the record, you still owe me money, so you are properly compensated. (laughs) All right. On your last appearance on the show, which it's not, (laughs) uh, we are going to talk about what we saw last weekend with the Regis program. We're going to look ahead to what we are going to see this weekend with Chocolatito versus Estrada Part 3. Later in the show, Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion of the world, he joins me to talk about his upcoming fight and tell us what he'd be doing if he was not boxing right now. Interesting answer there from Tyson Fury. But first, Sergio, we're going to stay in the heavyweight division and look back on what was a pretty disappointing weekend for Dillian White. Dillian White, former title challenger, Coming off the loss to Tyson Fury last spring, he faced Jermaine Franklin in what everyone anticipated to be just a shake-off-the-rust type of fight. Franklin was undefeated, but he was completely untested. Instead, it turned out to be a nip-and-tuck fight all the way to the end. White gets the decision, but he was far from impressive, at least to my eyes. What did you see? You're hard to impress. Uh, 
Jermaine Franklin was a good fighter, really good fighter, but he's just too small for the division. He reminded me of uh, yeah, Wade White on that night. Yeah, but he's just shorter. I mean, in, in this age of heavyweights, you got to be at least six foot four. And oh, you Franklin, bridge your weight. You want to hop down the bridge? There you go, weight bridge your weight. I just don't think he's gonna have the the size to compete with these monsters at heavyweight. And Dillian White, what six foot four, and he's fought the monsters before. I thought White. He gutted out a damn good performance as against a real good fighter in Franklin. You Franklin. didn't think that was a good performance by White, did you? I, I, I love the body shots. I like the, the game plan, the toughness. Believe me, look, Franklin's a good fighter. You know what he reminded me of? Curtis Stevens. He was he was like a, a, a bigger version of Curtis Stevens. He's just too small for the weight division. Stevens gave everyone a hard time at middleweight. He just couldn't beat the big guys at middleweight. Franklin's going to be the exact same ways. The combinations, uh, the hooks. He, he hurt Dillian White. I think it was in the ninth, ninth round, round yeah. with that overhand right. If he would have had 10 seconds, that fight would have ended in a knockout. But that's boxing for you. So I was impressed with Franklin's performance against a very tough uh, title challenger who's only lost to the best in championship level in White. Uh, but I think Franklin is not a legitimate heavyweight. I don't think in this era he's going to be able to win a title at heavyweight. So, yeah. Bridger Wade is his future. Credit to Franklin for exceeding expectations, but I, I I thought Dillian White looked old. You know, he's 35. He's been through some tough fights. He's been knocked out before this in two of his previous three fights. He looked like a guy that was shopworn at that point. Yeah, and that's what makes for exciting. Was it an exciting? Was it an entertaining fight? Ah, uh, it was interesting. I don't know entertaining. Is a I I thought it was an entertaining. A fight. couple times, like the ninth round, Franklin hurt White. He got the hurt. Twelfth round ended. It yeah. ended in excitement. It was an entertaining fight. I believe it wasn't a classic slugfest. I was entertained. I, I there was there was sh- uh, moments of of Dillian White. I mean, he he threw excellent body shots. He had a good game plan as well because Franklin was wait, waiting to check hook and counter punch. White, so White kept throwing that right hand to the midsection in the gut, and that kept uh, the left hook in check. Dillian White's a very smart fighter. He's never going to win a championship, and yes, he's past his prime, but he's still entertaining. He's still going to get the the calls. I mean, look at Chisora. He's fighting Tyson Fury. Yeah, but so, he's that, that's just a so nowadays guys like that they have a name. They're 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 certified tough guys. They've been to the top. They're always going to be able to make money. And Dillian White. He's still in there. He still has another payday coming. I, I'm prepared. We'll, we'll get to Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora, but I'm prepared to say Chisora is probably going to get steamrolled in that fight. Um, you have long been a advocate for not changing trainers. You know, you were with Dean Campos virtually your entire career. You, you've always been a loyalty guy, a belief that the right guy works. This was the first fight for Dillian White and Buddy McGirt. And to my eyes, Sergio, it didn't work. Like, Buddy McGirt, who has one of those voices that you can hear from every corner of an arena, came through the TV screaming stuff at Dillian White. Use the jab. Use that crab defense that protected him from the uppercuts. And it just seemed to me that Dillian was resisting the entire fight. Like, he, he just wasn't responding or didn't want to respond to Buddy McGirt. And that, as he kind of moves this forward, I wonder if Buddy McGirt's the right guy for him. You know, the one time that I considered leaving Dean Campos, I called Buddy McGirt. Really? Hmm? Didn't know that about you. Yeah, I did. That's the when one was guy, this? Uh, after the Brian Vera. Mm. Uh, first fight. one? Uh, I think it was the first one. Or, yeah, uh, one of those. And it was Brian, uh, uh, Buddy McGirt. I just shot him a text, and he goes, yeah, man, I would love to train you. I've known you since, you know, 2001, 2002, whatever. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Buddy McGirt because he was an excellent boxer. I mean, you watch his fights with Simon Brown, you'll you realize, like, wow, that's Buddy McGirt. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, two division, cha- two two division champion, and he and he and he's a, going to Hall of Fame as a trainer too. I I believe maybe maybe I, less. I'm not bl- I'm not blaming Buddy McGirt for anything. I just think it got lost in translation. Buddy McGirt, um, he did well with Kovalev, and that you know they had different backgrounds, but I just think they were lost in translation. Dillian White is already a, a old horse. And I know they, they say you can't teach new dogs new tricks. Well, shit, horses are even harder to teach. I mean, they're, they're more stubborn. Dillian White has been successful and not successful on the championship level doing what he does. He's a tough guy. He likes to mix it up. But Buddy McGirt has this um, defensive-minded uh, 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 way of boxing and, and fighting. Uh, he turns punchers into boxers. He did it with Arturo Gatti. He tried to do it with the crusher Kovalev. So, he, you know, Dillian White's a puncher. You gotta, you gotta. If you want to fight into your older thirties and mm. continue making money, you gotta become a boxer. And Dillian White just likes to be a slugger. Yeah, and I think it's proven. If you listen to Buddy, there's positive results. I mean, you mentioned Kovalev. 
he didn't win that fight against Canelo, but he fought exactly the way Buddy wanted him to, mm-hmm. and it was close on the cards before Canelo knocked him out. Kovalev threw hundreds of jabs in that fight. I, I can still hear in my ear the sound of Buddy McGirt yelling at Dillian White to throw more jabs. And Dillian White has the frame to be a good jab puncher, right? Absolutely. Like, he's incredibly long. Absolutely. He has one of the great wingspans in boxing. Like, if Dillian White will listen to Buddy, then that pairing can work. But I don't come away from that fight, Sergio, thinking Dillian and Buddy are on the same page. You nailed it right on the head right there. And that has to do with with character. And I like to talk a lot about character in fighters because, look, if, if you're not going to mesh with somebody's personality, you're not going to mesh with them in training. Buddy McGregor, I got to know him well when he trained Fernando Vargas. Fernando Vargas, you know, he 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 moved trainers and he went with Buddy McGregor for one time. And that's when I got to know Buddy and 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 Fernando and him didn't mix. Fernando was an offensive-minded fighter. He was a gritty, ballsy fighter. He liked mixing it up. Buddy brings a little defense to the table. He wants to extend careers. And everyone that he's that he's actually been successful with, he extended their careers. It didn't work with Fernando because Fernando just doesn't have that personality. But that's where I got to know Buddy. And I realized, like, damn, man, this guy's a hell of, not only was he a hell of a fighter, but a hell of a trainer. And I kept that in my memory bank, like, Man, if ever, something ever happens with me and my trainer, this guy I go with, and sure enough, 15 years later, I shot him a text. And then it happened, materialized, but I respect Buddy a lot. Why didn't it happen? Because Dean's the man. Dean Campos is the man. I mean, he he, uh, he knows his strategies. It's just, uh, you know, when you lose, you got to blame someone. And that's how it is. <laughs> that's how it is in boxing. You know, like sometimes fighters and trainers, especially new pairings, don't work. I mean, Emmanuel Stewart's one of the great trainers of all time. He was oil and water with Miguel Cotto when they trained together. Freddie Roach has worked with some great fighters, but him and Vladimir Klitschko wasn't the same as him and Manny Pacquiao. There you go. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I do wonder if Buddy and Dillian are the right match. But to spin this forward, like we're going to get Dillian White versus Anthony Joshua. But I don't walk away from White Franklin thinking White Joshua is going to be competitive. I mean, even if it's a diminished version of Joshua, I think he's just going to walk right through Dillian White. I don't know if you... I think you're wrong, no. Really? No, I think... Why? Di- what, what? Because Dillian White always... He's always in a good fight, even in his losses where he came up short, maybe except for the Tyson Fury one, but uh, against uh, uh, Joshua, against... Um, it wasn't really a competitive fight against Joshua. But he was slinging the he punches. Was slinging, he, he was, was slinging them. He, uh, he was... It was a it was an entertaining fight. There was interesting moments in that in that fight. And what was his other loss? It was Tyson Fury, it was uh, Joshua and Pavekin. Yep. He came back and starched Pavekin. So I, I don't. And he was winning that fight against Pavekin. Pavekin looked was like he was that out fight. until exactly. He got so out, he's so. he's only lost on the championship level. So I think if he fights Joshua, you're wrong, man. I think he 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 brings that motivation and everything he learned from those championship losses and experience against a vulnerable, mentally mentally vulnerable fighter in Joshua coming off a loss. We don't know what he's gonna have. Yeah, man, I like that fight. I I I think if this was five years ago, I'd probably agree with you. But I think at 35 years old and having been knocked out in two of his last four fights, I, I think there's not a lot left, at least at a high level, from uh, Dillian White. Uh, a better fight this past weekend was Regis Progre against Jose Zapeda. Progre, for some reason, has been just ignored by the major promoters. Like, can't get a deal with Matchroom. Can't get a deal with top rank, can't get a deal with Golden Boy. Before the Zapata fight, Sergio, he had fought one time in the last three years. Or no, sorry, three times in the last three years. And I've always wondered why. Like, this is a entertaining American power puncher. Like, why was this guy not welcomed into the club of top guys at 135, 140, and 147? Then he goes out against Zapata and shows me why I'm right, in a way. Because... He was. It was entertaining. He dominated, and he had a spectacular finish at the end. I, I think right now, and 140 is one of the best divisions in boxing. I think right now you can make the argument that the best guy at 140 is Regis Progray. He was nip and tuck with uh, Josh Taylor, lost a close fight over in the UK against Josh Taylor, and then he goes out and just stomps Zapata, a guy that's won some pretty high-level fights over the last few years. Uh, is Regis Progray now... The man at 140. No, he's number two. The man is Josh Taylor. The man is the man who I can beat buy that argument. Yeah, the I man can. that beat Pro Grails. I mean, it was a very close, what, split decision. But look at Josh Taylor, another guy that's inactive and kind of going under the radar as far as... Coming off a bad win 
over Caterall. We'll see but look at who he's fought. His last six opponents have been undefeated opponents. What is it? Jack Caterall undefeated. Ramirez undefeated. Uh, Kansong undefeated. Regis Progray undefeated. Baranchik undefeated. Ma- that Martin character undefeated. Victor Posto. Martin Come character. on. These, that's a great, great resume. It does. I, you give me another undisputed champion, another champion that has that kind of uh, a record. Back to back to back undefeated fighters. You're not getting it. Mm-mm. So Progray is the man at 140. He's now a two-time champion, and I agree with you how he's flown under the radar so long. I don't get it. I think Lou DeBella promoted him. DeBella had him. They yeah, split up. Yeah, so, so he did have a major promoter under uh, Labou, at one time. Lou's a very uh, a big promoter, but he, he doesn't have kind of the power anymore that some of the other – because of network TV deals. That's what it comes down to. Okay, the TV. network. All right, so, uh, I, you know, there's so many networks. I just think Progray is uh, – he, he's a man that, that – I, I really like I, I really like Prograde. Not only his fighting style, but outside the ring, the way he carries himself, the way he's a he's an excellent champion. I just think he's a well, one. He's a southpaw. Uh, a lot of you know promoters kind of like pushing other you know uh, they try to avoid southpaws. It's hard to match them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's just a damn good fighter, man. A damn good fighter that they don't know how to probably market him or move him well but after this performance was Zapata you can bet that you know well, people yeah, are going to now everyone damn is right. going to damn right. line up for the opportunity to fight him and it's my understanding that Jose Ramirez and his team do not want to face Progre in their next fight I think there's going to be something a little softer for Jose Ramirez been off for a while at this point but if he passes then you could be looking at Progre against Teofimo Lopez in the first half next year. Teofimo Lopez is next in line as mandatory challenger. I talked to Teofimo this week, and he said if that fight is offered to him, if he beats Sandor Martin in a week, he will take that fight. And I hope he's right. I hope, I hope he top rank and everybody wants it because that's another great fight. And it's a fight that can be made because Progre, what, is a, is a free Effectively agent? Effectively a free agent. Works he, with Pro he, Bellum. Okay, but, you know. he's a free agent, so show him the money. Uh, uh, ESPN and uh, top rank have the money. Teofimo Lopez and him will be explosive. Mm. That would be a great fight. I mean, yeah, sign me up for that one. Um, and, and, you know, it'll be a full world title fight now that uh, Progre is a champion. So Teofimo is going to have all the incentive to actually – have a take a chance with a with a hard punching, very good southpaw that's now a champion. So I love that fight. Bring it on! It's such a great division right now because you've got the guys that are there: Progre, Taylor, Ramirez, Lopez. Then you've got the guys that are going to be there in the next six months to a Ryan, year: Ryan Garcia, Ryan Garcia Devin, Devin Haney, Haney, maybe some others at one thirty-five. It's a fantastic division that I hope these fights um, all get made. I think they can be made because the politics are a little cleaner with with some of this stuff. Yeah, but the question was, is he number one? And I say no. He's no like, Rougarou is number two. Yeah, yeah, which is fair. I think that's fair. He, he, was, he lost the fight, and I don't think there's any real disputing that he lost the fight. It was very close, but he lost that fight. All right, let's talk about some of the fights we have coming up this weekend. Uh, Tyson Fury is over in the UK taking on Derek Chisora. He's gotten a lot of heat for this fight, Sergio. Like, he's gotten some criticism for taking on Chisora. Uh, I, I don't really blame him for it because... He did want to and tried to make the fight against Alexander Usyk, but Usyk said, you know what, I'm going to wait till early next year, let some injuries heal. There were discussions for a fight with Anthony Joshua, but come on. like Making Joshua against Fury in like six weeks didn't make any sense. You need Joshua to get a win, and then next summer, if Fury's undisputed at heavyweight and Joshua's on like a two-fight winning streak, you can that, that's still, once again, the biggest fight you can make in all of boxing. So... I don't know about you, but I didn't have a real problem with Chisora as as Fury. Yes, player. you did. Yes, you did. We did it in the episode of Jabs when you asked me who should Tyson Fury stay busy with. I said Chisora. You said what for no, what? It's it's a neat. I'm gonna bring it up again. You can find it, but it, I, it, I said on Chisora. an episode of Jabs, you I said know. Chisora makes no sense. I said absolutely, it makes sense. He always comes to fight. I mean, that's War Chisora. People love him in England. He can pack out a crowd. It's a stay busy fight, better than being inactive, waiting for Usyk. And, and I think Wilder it's a lot better than fighting some unknown German. And or you like shat. I did not shit chat. Past Chats. tense. Shat on that matchup. And you said, no, Chisora's old. He's already beaten well, him he twice. Is no old. He's already beaten him twice. We, no, no one chance. wants to watch he it. He has no chance to win. Now you're recanting. I'm not recanting. That's a word. 
recanting what you said on jabs. I'm going to have Bob, our producer, bring that up because on jabs, you shat on that fight. I said, no, man, it stay busy, stay working. People love Chisora. It makes sense until Wilder, Joshua, or or Usyk become available and and the Gypsy King gets another A-side. A-side versus A-side. Until then, Chisora fits the bill. You can have Bob find the clip on your computer, which doesn't work. You're, you're like Hansel from Zoolander with that computer. It's in the computer? Yeah, you know what? And I'm glad I'm raising my kids that way. Anti-computer, anti-iPad because they're going to be articulate. They're going to remember phone numbers and they're going to remember names. I have a great memory. You don't remember any of those things. Yeah, but I got hit in the head for 22 years. <laughs> I Look, Fury, my opinion right now, Fury can do whatever he wants with this fight. He wants to stay busy. He wants to keep fighting. Next year, he's going to fight Usyk. Usyk's going to be ringside for Fury versus... Uh, uh, Chisora. Usyk has never priced himself out of a fight, so it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So March, April next year, we get that fight. And then Fury, maybe it's Wilder, although I think that's kind of crazy. I don't need to see Fury Wilder 4, frankly, at this point. Uh, maybe it's Joshua. That's what that we said point. about the third one, or at least I did. I know, it, and it turned out to be uh, fight of the year. a great fight. I think it's interesting, not to go off topic here, but I think it's interesting to see that Wilder and his team are now giddy about the idea of facing Josh. They don't want to face Andy Ruiz. In, no, in their next that, fight. They want to face Joshua. Yeah, because that's a Andy Ruiz is just wrong for every heavyweight because he, <laughs> he he's just his hands are so fast and he has he has a Mexican style in the heavyweight division with this, which is unheard of because Mexicans don't grow that big and then he has fast hands and now he has the experience he has a confidence he's a former heavyweight champion so if I was Wilder's management I think it's Shelly Finkel yep. stay all the way from from uh, Mexican Rocky there Andy Ruiz yeah he's all wrong for you but um. Uh, I love I love that rematch again. I mean, I, I know I said I didn't want the third one, but after seeing that trilogy, they're going to be like the next uh, uh, Marquez Pacquiao. Like, we don't want to see it, but then when it happens, like, I want to see it again. You that's know? A, that's a lot of head punches from two big men. <laughs> that's a lot of beatings that are being hurt business, Mannix. In that fight. Yeah, it is. And you do it once, that's great. You do it four times. Oh, God. Yeah, but you do it four times getting paid $40 million or whatever they're getting paid. So it's worth and it's Fury, worth those beatings, man. Fury wants that fight in the U.K. And I like that fight in the U.K. You do enough do enough times over in the U.S., do it once in the U.K. And look, we're, we're going to be commentating a, a, a great trilogy is going to go down in history. Now they're going to be fighting for, if they fight for a fourth time, it's going to go down in the history books. I mean, you can mention that trilogy alongside, and I'm not exaggerating, alongside Ali Frazier. Because it was classic trilogy. Maybe not in name recognition and popularity around the world, but in what happened inside the ring and how memorable it was. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And it just that and then it captured the imagination of different demographic of, of fans and people and, and, and around the world. It was the, it was international. It was a world heavyweight championship of the world. It wasn't just American versus American. Bring it on. I'll take the fourth fight. I want to talk about Chocolatito Estrada in one second, but I want to get your take on something that happened this week. Did you see the video that made the rounds of Carlos Padilla, the referee in the Pacquiao fight from 2000? Oh, this was, I read about it, yes. Yeah, this was yeah. the referee who officiated, who also, by the way, you mentioned he did, I believe, the Rumble in the Jungle or the Thrill of Manila, one of the Ali, uh, he did Ali Frazier in, in Manila. Um, he refereed a fight with Manny Pacquiao mm-hmm. involved in 2000. And he admitted yeah. to giving Pacquiao an yeah. 18 count. This was two fights before Pacquiao won a world title. Uh, and, you know, I, I've seen clips of the video making the rounds on social media. I guess the WBC, for some reason, made it private. I, I don't really understand what that's all about. I, I have a huge problem with this, Sergio. Like, a big problem with this. Like, this guy, I don't know if he's still in boxing, but should never be allowed. He should be treated... Like Panama Lewis. Like, Damn. You should. You you gave an 18 count to a fighter? I, I don't know about that. That's a little bit hard. I mean, extreme there. I mean, you go from a guy from that can that, that, that took out padding out of a glove and it was a known cheater. I'm and saying you get the same punishment. Be banned. Done. He's uh, probably, I think he's like 88 years old, so he's probably not doing anything. I mean, like, yeah, banned, banned, yes, but uh, maybe suspended. But yeah, for. for banned. He's already retired. We're in the band. Sue. Somebody should sue him. It's like when you're at the edge of death and then you want to recant everything you did wrong just so you can go into the pearly gates. I think Padilla wanted to get that off his shoulders. It's not really recant as much as it is. Unburden. You know, confess. Unburden. Oh, there you go. Confess. You, yes. you don't want that burden. You know, so Padilla didn't want that yeah, burden. Well, and you he probably what? had That's a lot of tough, them. Tough shit. Like, you, you can confess. But there's a consequence to it. There's a price you have to pay. Well, ban a 88-year-old? Yeah. Is that the, that's a I consequence? Wouldn't him, I wouldn't let him <laughs> sniff 
another boxing, an official boxing-related event. I wouldn't even let him get tickets to any kind of fight ever again. What a scumbag. Like an absolute scumbag for giving an 18-count to Manny Pacquiao. He said that people, I guess in the U.S., told him, you know, Pacquiao's got big things ahead of him moving forward. Get the fuck out of hey, here how, how, 18-count? How, how about the who refereed Buster Douglas Tyson? I mean, that was a long count. Uh, that was, I, I forget who the referee was. That was a long yeah. count. Tyson could have continued being the monster Okay, but this was. is a referee that, that cost it a lot, tens of millions of dollars, and it the trajectory of Mike Tyson's incredible career got derailed because of that long count that he should have knocked out Buster Douglas in whatever round that was. It happens, man. You think not, that, not, think not, that referee was trying to help Buster Douglas? Uh, <laughs> he really care what Buster Douglas Who knows? Was. Maybe when he's 88, he might come back and recant. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck to, to hell with this guy. To hell with Carlos <laughs> Padilla. Seriously, you're a scumbag. Don't don't ever be involved in boxing again. In fact, if we get the opportunity in the zone, I'm gonna keep calling him a scumbag over and over and over again because wow. you know the 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 guy. And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name right now. Who uh, who should have won that fight? Uh, that could have changed his life. If you beat Manny Pacquiao, I know it was a different version of Manny Pacquiao. That could have changed his life. And I I I hate when that happens. You should hate when that happens too, because you fighters work hard. You put your body and minds on the line. One fight can change how millions of dollars, and it's happening in every fighter's career. It's happened in my career. It's happened in many fighters' career where one judge kept you from making seven figures. One judge kept you from getting that big fight. I, I can put myself in that predicament, but we're not talking about me. Yeah, every fighter can tell you a big story of where they. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, and didn't happen oh because God. of we a were, judge. We were just in the fighter meeting. Yeah, that's why I don't want to bring it. I don't want to bring it up, man. Shane Mosley, the judge is there. Could have had your crack at Canelo. I, I could have gotten de decapitated by Canelo <laughs> for a seven-figure paycheck. This is why I like you because you don't say things like, yeah, I could have gotten Mosley's job and I would have beaten Canelo. You say, yeah, I could have gotten Mosley's shot and Canelo would have kicked my ass. But it would have been for a, a good $1.1 million payday. Yeah. Oh, it would have been nice. Um, all right, two guys making good paydays are Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada this weekend. They fight the third fight of their storied rivalry, ending what has been about a 10-year rivalry when you figured their first fight was back in 2012. Chocolatito won convincingly in 2012. It was a controversial decision last year when these two fought with Estrada getting it, but many people myself included, thought Chocolatito deserved to get that decision. How are you feeling about this matchup going into the third fight? Giddy. Buckle up, Mannix. I mean, this is, this is uh, we're going to be broadcasting history. We're going to witness greatness. Uh, you know, it's going to go down in the history books as, as one of the great trilogies of all time. So buckle up, man. I'm going to be right next to you, sadly, and thankfully it'll be sadly. next to my pal Todd Grisham to the left, and we're going to be calling a classic trilogy that's going to go down as one of the greats. I mean, this is... This is the probably the the comparison, the great comparison is probably Chiquitita Chiquita Gonzalez versus Michael Carbaugh because they were flyweights. Mm. I mean, a, a classic trilogy, but it gets you know uh, pushed aside because they're such a, a you know a lighter fighters. But in the history of trilogies, whether you're talking about you know Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder, or whether you're talking about Duran Leonard or whoever, Mickey Ward and you know Arturo Gatti, Marquez Pacquiao, there's so many great ones. This one's going to be alongside it, and, and we're there. We're going to have the best seats in the house. I'm just giddy, man. I can't wait till Saturday. So what are you looking for in this fight? Because one of the things, one of the variables I'm, I've been considering is that when you think about momentum, amazingly, Chocolatito, who's 35 years old, is coming into this fight with more momentum than Estrada. Chocolatito is coming off the win over a Julio Cesar Martinez, a dominant performance over a guy that was one of the best in the 112-pound division. Whereas Estrada, his fight against Cortez back in September, like Cortez, just like we talked about with Jermaine Franklin, was kind of handpicked to be a guy Estrada looks good against, a shake-off-the-rust type of fight, and he struggled in that fight. He got hurt in that fight. He got cut in that fight. So when I look back at the second fight, between Gonzalez and Estrada, a fight that I thought Chocolatito won, and the Cortez fight, which was Estrada's next fight and his only fight since then, I don't get the sense Estrada's coming in with much momentum. Does that matter in this in a matchup like this? Absolutely, momentum matters. But Estrada, his nickname is El Gallo, you know, and the rooster. And in Mexico and and some other smaller countries, you know, uh, rooster fighting is legal. And and roosters, 
they have this edge to them. Uh, let me give you another comparison. I don't want to be politically Can incorrect. You stop hitting here. me when you do this. I, I hit people. Um, Not hard. I don't want to be politically incorrect and talk about you know rooster fighting. So let's talk about thoroughbreds. Sea okay. biscuit. Sea biscuit needed to have that one horse next to him. He didn't want to be in the lead. He wanted to that horse. He wanted to look eye to eye to him. He wanted to say, "Okay, you ready? I'm gonna give you what I got. Now is that all you got? Here I go, and I'm gonna take it down the." Aisle. He needs that. He fights to his competition. Gallo Estrada fights to his competition. A lot of fighters are that way. Whether you're great or not, you want another great rivalry. You want that Sea Biscuit eye looking next to you. If you're just gonna have a Arhi Cortez next to you, he's like, ah. Okay, I struggle with guys like that. I had guys like that. Brian Vera, that, that was my guy that I, I'm going to wipe the floor with him. Tough guy. Everyone has guys like that, whether you're talking about the greatest or not. So I think Estrada, is gonna, he's fighting to his competition. And whether he got lucky with a decision in his last fight, that's irrelevant. On the history books, it's 1-1. It's a trilogy, a classic trilogy, and he's fighting one of the greatest fighters of our generation. You can bet the sea biscuit and the gallo is going to come out and he needs that, 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 the, that he needs that rivalry and that competition to get the best out of him. He doesn't get motivated by Arhi Cortez or any other name. He gets motivated by four division champions and the greatest of our generation at Chocolatito. So what does Estrada have to do to win this fight? Because we know what we're going to get from Chocolatito. He is going to apply relentless pressure. He's going to throw over a hundred punches around. He is going to try to wear you down over these 12 rounds, which he's done in his two matchups with, with Estrada. How does Estrada turn the tables on him in this one? He continued doing what he did the first two fights. Even the first fight where Chocolatito won, you know, Estrada was a complete unknown. He didn't have the experience that he has now, and he still put up a, a damn good fight, a fantastic fight. He's They're just style, stylistically perfectly matched. So don't change nothing, Maddox. Don't change nothing. Estrada's not the type that will get it. Uh, uh, lured into a war so we don't have to worry about that Estrada will engage when he feels he, he can he can get the best out of it but then he'll box he can go back on the back foot he's a boxer puncher Chocolatito's a straight puncher coming one way so we know his game plan and we know that uh, Estrada is successful on the back foot so what should he do more jabs more body shots because Chocolatito needs to be worried about getting hurt to the body. You know, the head shots, he keeps his hands up too high, you know, and, and I don't think Estrada has the power to penetrate those gloves. So dig down to the body and keep those elbows tucked in. So that, ring generalship, pop the jab, stay off the ropes. That's how Estrada wins this decision. He's a, he doesn't knock out Chocolatito. Is it not amazing to you that Chocolatito's doing this at 35? Like I, I was amazed in Calia Five fight. I think I, I was just in awe. <laughs> I mean, when I watch when I watch Chocolatito, I know Alexis Arguello is his, is his idol, idol and yeah. he and he's Nicaraguan as well. But I don't see Alexis Arguello and Chocolatito. I see Roberto Duran, another Central American great guys that I've always been, uh, you know, they've been great at lighter weight divisions, and they they always get um, counted out once they go up in weight, and they keep surprising you. Roberto Duran won the middleweight championship of the world. And he's five foot seven, mm. and he fought a beast, a monster in Iran Barkley, six foot one. That's what Chocolatito reminds me of. Both Central Americans, but that's who he reminds me of because they're just subtle, uh, aggressive animals that know how to get inside and be technical, but then they have the defense to not get, you know, hit with, you know, ridiculous big shots. They know how to stay poised in the pocket, getting aggressive, and that's who I see when, whenever I watch this amazing little specimen of a fighter in, in Chocolatito. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm <laughs> buckle up. Like I said, I'm I'm just so ready for Saturday. And Gallo doesn't need to change anything. Chocolatito doesn't need to change anything because we're getting another classic fight. Who is this fight more important to? Because you've got two guys that are uh, – Chocolatito, first ballot Hall of Famer. Gallo Estrada, most likely a Hall of Famer. Um, but legacy-wise, who is this fight more important to? Both, man. It's, uh, it's got to be Estrada, though. It, I think. It has like, to, no, it's both. It's both. I think Estrada has already proved that he's on the elite level. He already cracked the pound for pound uh, rankings. He's a two division champion. He already beat Chocolatito. He he's beaten everyone that's beaten yeah, him. Yeah, but I mean, he like, I think Quadras. he punches his ticket as a first ballot guy if he wins. Hey, there's nothing wrong. I don't think he win. I don't think he. There's nothing wrong with being a second ballot guy. You're still in the Hall of Fame. He's gonna be in the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, but there's a distinction to it. Like, there's 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 some pride to being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And look, I think Estrada would like to be. Estrada made the point to us this week that like he's not done with his career either. Like he's still yeah. in his early 30s and mm -hmm. he can still go up in weight too and win titles in that weight class. But because I don't think P 
people believe he beat Chocolatito in that last fight. I think this fight's important. He's got great wins. He beat Sorong Masai twice. He's beat the three kings. He's beat him. He's beat Quadras. He's beat Sorong Masai. He's beat Chocolatito. He's yeah. beat. He's the Valoria, only one. He he's the only one of the four kings that's been uh, the yeah. three. Chocolatito didn't beat Sorong Masai. So there you go. Yeah. That so whether he's second ballot Hall of Famer first doesn't matter. He's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. And Gallo, I think uh, every fight is important to him. And I, like I asked him in the fighter meeting, I go, "Why are you successful in rematches when a lot of fighters, you know, struggle in rematches?" He says, well, you know, it sounds simple, but I just work harder and I, 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 I check out what I did wrong. He goes, so I, and I asked him, I said, well, so what are you going to do different in this fight, in this trilogy? He goes, get in better shape. Get in better shape. You threw over a thousand punches. Yeah. I go, what? I mean, th th that's not what's going to change. You know, so just strategy. And well, these he knows, though. You know, and you know when you're in fights, if you're not in the right condition. You, he might be throwing a lot of punches, but you know when you're not. In he said shape. he didn't close out strong, and yeah. he's right. And he you're right. He wanted to fight to be over after the tenth round, and then he had to deal with the last two. Well, <laughs> like I said, if if he's gonna come in better condition in this fight than he did the last fight, I mean, this is gonna be the fight of the year. Yeah, I was talking to Chocolatito this week, and you know, if he wins, there's really entertaining options for him at 115. Like he could fight the winner of. The Josh Franco fight coming up over in Japan. He could fight Bam Rodriguez at some point next year. These are big money fights for him. But he told me he wanted to move to 118 to no, fight. Man. And I, look, I know what you're going to say. And I agree with you. Like, my nightmare for Chocolatito is if, like, in a way unifies, gives Chocolatito a fight against him in the early next year. And it's Chocolatito in a way in, like, Japan. And that ends so badly for Gonzalez. So badly that I don't want to see it. I mean, the other fights unless might end badly that, too. But. Unless that fight, because Chocolatito just barely cracked a million-dollar payday, right? Yeah, he's right around there, yeah. He's right around there, right? So he barely cracked it. Unless, and he's fought in Japan before, so I'm sure they love him out there. And they love these he's smaller weight classes. He's co-promoted by Mr. Honda over there. So, so unless yeah. they make that man an offer he can't refuse, I would say when— Three million? Whatever it is, man. I just think they make him an offer he can't refuse, and then I would say, yeah, take— Take it for the money and make sure this is your last fight, win, lose, or draw. Go off into the sunset. You had an amazing, incredible career that everyone's going to worship, you know, the ground he walks on for the next, you know, 20 years. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah, if he's going to take that, do it just for the money. Because if you're going to have 50-plus fights, you come into the box. Fighters come into boxing and become world champions and to make a lot of money. This man became a world champion in four divisions, and he's made okay money, especially for Nicaragua. But to make that life-changing money... I think it's worth the risk. When I watch Inouye just flatten Donaire, that made me think, like, I don't want to see Chocolatito like that. Or worse. We've we seen Chocolatito like yeah, that before. But I don't want to see him end his career getting pulverized by one of the biggest punchers in that division's history. Listen, for $3 million, I would let Wilder knock me out. I mean, it, well, maybe not Wilder. But yes, you would. Now, listen, it just, we, we're in this for championships and money, Mannix. And, and, and Chocolatito, if he barely cracked the seven-figure mark, if they're going to make him a ridiculous offer like that, you got to take it. We're, we're in it for we're prize fighters, man. You got to take that opportunity. All right. Anything to say to your fans in your final podcast? This is my final podcast, and I mean what I say, and I meant what I mean. So I'm going to drop the mic now. We'll see you next week. And when we come back, my conversation with Tyson Fury. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, <laughs> he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. All right, Tyson Fury is the lineal WBC and Ring Magazine heavyweight champion. He will defend those titles on December 3rd when he takes on Derek Chisora. As I was writing that, Tyson, I wondered, which of those titles, lineal WBC, Ring Magazine, means the most to you? Um, The title of being alive and well means more to me than all of those titles put together. You know, boxing is one thing, but being healthy and alive is better than all of it put together. But all of those titles are very fantastic. Being a lineal champion, WBC champion, is fantastic. You know, it's, it's a great honor and a great achievement for anybody. And I wear them with pride. When you beat, <laughs> you you do. When you beat Vladimir Klitschko several years ago to win your first heavyweight title, titles, I guess. What was that yeah. moment like for you? It was a great moment. It was like an Everest moment. I'd, I'd reached my Everest. And I've achieved all my dreams, and I won every I won every belt apart from the WBC that night. I became the unified heavyweight champion of the world, um, and it was like it was a, it was a gigantic moment in my life. It was an Everest um, summit climbed, and and it was everything that I I dreamed of. So you're back now, second fight this year. You have said if all goes well, you'll have three fights next year. It it wasn't too long ago, Tyson, that you were saying you're retired from boxing. What's changed for you? Nothing. I might retire after this next fight. You know, I don't know how long I've got left. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, Tyson Fury is a crazy motherfucker. One minute he's here, next minute he's gone. I could be in Morecambe one minute and in Mandalay Bay the next. Who knows? You know, I, 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 never, I, never, I never take anything for granted. I'm just happy that I'm active now and I'm back fighting next week and looking forward to a fantastic fight and we'll see. I might get knocked out cold in that fight. Don't know. Don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Just one fight at a time. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if the old dance and destroyer still got a few days left in him. We'll see what he can do. So, Do you feel like in your mind you can walk away from boxing or will boxing almost have to force you out? No, I can walk away from boxing. You know, um, I just feel like I've got a bit more left in me to give. Um and we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, you can only really take one day at a time and one fight at a time. And I think every fighter will know when it's done, when it's over. I see how I feel after this this fight, which is aura. If it's if it's over, it's over. No point in getting brain damage or whatever. So, you know, we'll see. This, this is why I just I come back with no no big lofty ambitions. I just want to take one fight at a time and see where I am after each individual fight. What is reti- what does a retired Tyson Fury do? What what is what does your life look like as a retired man? So I think I'm going to set up a used car sales. <laughs> I'm become a used car salesman um, because I'm I'm very I'm into cars. Like I'm very passionate about cars and stuff. I always have been. I've always bought and sold cars my whole life as a kid. Um, and I think that that would give me a purpose. You know, I don't think even if you have a trillion dollars in the bank. You can't just go sit in a beach with your feet up all day every day because there's no purpose in that life. And at 34, 35, however old I'm going to be when I walk away, it's like, what do I do after that? Do I go in boxing, promoting? Do I go into whatever? I don't know. But we'll see. I'm quite passionate about cars. So maybe I have a day job like selling cars or whatever as a salesman, used car salesman. And, and by night, I have a vigilante job like Batman. I don't know. 
I like it. Fury Automotives. I like that as your your post yeah. fighting career. Um, talk about this fight coming up against Derek Chisora. You you had to deal with some criticism about choosing Chisora as your opponent. Why do you think you were criticized for it? Um, I'm not sure. It's the criticizers coming from people who've never had a fight in their life and never won zero world titles. So that, that criticism doesn't really mean a lot to me, to be fair. Everybody in boxing knows that it's going to be a good fight and uh, two good good fighting men, both both right in the top ten. And, uh, we're going to give them what they want to see. A war. Yeah, I think, you know, you tried to make an Usyk fight. You tried to make a Joshua fight. You could have made a fight against someone else that was less known, but at least this feels like a big fight in the UK. Chisora is still a big name in the UK. Oh yeah, this is this is a big fight. We've sold like sixty-eight thousand tickets already, and we're still a week out, so it's a big fight for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking forward to putting on a great show for the fans, and everybody knows Derek, and everybody knows me in this country. Derek's like a folk hero, and so am I. So when we both get together, it's always an occasion for the fans. Last thing for you, you have gone back and forth with Anthony Joshua for a while. Recently, you called Joshua a coward. Do you believe he's a coward? I do. I do believe he's a coward because he had the opportunity to fight me on the 3rd of December and he declined and now I'm fighting Chisora instead. So uh, there's a lot of money involved. Not that money's everything because, you know, when you have a lot of money like Joshua has already, then an extra few zeros and his bank balance won't really change his life. So... It's probably not about money. It's more about, like, what does he do if he loses again and all that sort of stuff. But that's not the mentality of a Spartan. And I, I can only deal with Spartans. I can't deal with businessmen. Because all that, all that business side of shit, like, uh, who said what said, she said this said, and this amount, that amount, this location, I just don't get involved. I'm like, how much am I getting? Where is it? And who am I fighting? I've got my bag, my trainers are on, and I'm ready to fucking rumble. Let's go. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know any any other business options. I want to know shit. I want to know how much am I getting and where is it? And let me at him. Let me knock him out. And you're not messing with that type of fighter in AJ. You you get asked this all the time, but as you sit here right now, do you believe in 2023 we'll see Fury Joshua? Uh, I don't. I just think once you're a coward, you ain't going to fight anybody. I don't think he'll fight Wilder either. I do not think he'll fight Wilder. I don't think he'll fight me. He probably only fought Usyk because he was a light punch in Cruiserweight and he didn't think he could get knocked out or whatever. Um, I, I hear he's looking to do a rematch with Dillian White. He's desperate for that rematch. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, so you've got to have confidence to take on the biggest challenges. And at the minute, I don't see him stepping up to the plate. So, But, again, none of my business at all what they do. My business is Derek Chisora, and I'm in the fight game, and that's what we're doing. Boom. I can't believe we might get Fury versus Wilder 4 before we get Joshua versus Wilder. I can't believe there might be a fourth fight with you and Deontay Wilder. I know. Is this crazy or what? <laughs> oh, it's crazy, you know. But, you know, you never you never can tell what's going to happen around, around the corner in heavyweight boxing. You see it so often, but you, you rarely see one person fight the other one four times. Not since the days of, like, Jake LaMotta versus Sugar Robinson. Yeah, long, long time. But that, that did happen a lot back in those days. Uh, Tyson, appreciate your time, man. You can catch Tyson Fury December 3rd on the U.S., in the U.S., on ESPN Plus over in the U.K. on pay-per-view. Thanks for joining me, man. Always good to catch up. Thank you. All the best. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. Well, are you looking to get more out of this NFL season? Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can look at player props, passing, receiving, rushing yards, touchdowns, and so many more exclusive bets like both teams to complete their first pass attempt. That makes the first part of every game a lot more fun. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout at a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action also with great offers, boosts just for you. 
So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code BOXING. That's promo code BOXING to let them know that I sent you. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Time now for this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. And I almost had a huge weekend last weekend. I went big, and I told you to go big, on Jermaine Franklin against Dillian White. And by like the eighth round, I was sitting there counting my money. I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do with my winnings off a 13-1 to underdog? Because I told you that Jermaine Franklin was a live dog. And I told you that Dillian White was not the fighter he used to be after getting knocked out two of the last three times. I'm not upset about the decision because I thought the right guy won. I thought two judges scored it wrong. But I thought the right guy won that fight. Still, oh, those are the misses that just kill you. Had Jermaine Franklin for the win, that would have been a big bet. But i do it all over again because that was worth throwing some money behind. That was worth taking a shot at. This weekend, a little more high profile. You've got Juan Francisco Estrada, Chocolatito Gonzalez, part three, super flyweight title on the line in Arizona. Chocolatito right now is a minus 225 favorite over at FanDuel. That's the bet that I like. Estrada plus 172. This has the potential to be a very close fight, but I like the momentum that Gonzalez is coming into this fight with. He is coming off a dominant performance against Julio Cesar Martinez, whereas in his last fight, Estrada, he struggled with a lesser fighter in RG Cortez. So I like Gonzalez to win. How does he win? I like him winning by decision. This is where you can make a little bit more money. Minus 105 for Gonzalez by decision, according to FanDuel. These guys have fought 24 rounds together. There have been moments where both of them have been stunned, but no real moment when either of them has been hurt. I think they know each other well enough by now that this fight is going to go to a decision. So take Gonzalez to win. Take him to win by decision. If you want to throw another bet in there, take this fight going the distance. It's another one that doesn't have the greatest of odds, but I think this is a mortal lock to go the full 12 rounds. Those are my picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Tyson Fury for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.